there's so much around shame that kind of weaves its way in and out of this that makes it so tricky for people. And we need to teach people about their bodies and we need to take time to learn our own bodies and what gives us pleasure. Working on being present and in your body, right? Because it's much more fun than being up in your head. It's a new fortnight here on Mornings with Me, Maya Billick. It's time for Let's Talk About Sex. And as always, I'm joined by Tanya Coons, our resident pleasure therapist and activist and advocate. She's great at what she does. And this time, two weeks ago, we were chatting about erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, which I think naturally leads us to what we're going to be chatting about today, which is anorgasmia. Tanya, what is it? What is it indeed? It's basically the inability to orgasm, right? So it, it can be primary or lifelong, which means people have, or the person who has always has had it and they've not learned to orgasm yet. Or it can be secondary or acquired, which means it started happening at some point or after a certain event, something like maybe a sexual assault or a relationship breakup or some sexual issue or things like alcoholism, depression, grief, some surgery or injuries, maybe some medications, illness, uh, and sometimes menopause, things like that. There's a lot of reasons. It can also be global, happens all the time, or situational. It happens sometimes or in specific situations. For example, can't do it with a partner but can on my own or a specific partner. Used to be able to orgasm with my past partner but I can't with this partner, don't know why, that sort of stuff. It's reasonably prevalent with people as well. I think it's... Yeah, I think that's totally right. I mean, we speak a lot as well about the orgasm gap on Let's Talk About Sex. Before we go any further, can you remind us what that's about? I can. This this came about from research, I think in 2017 it was released, maybe even 2016, uh, about it showed that 97% of straight men always orgasm when having sex and then 89% of gay men do, 86% of gay women do, and 65% of straight women do. So there's quite a gap there, especially if you're thinking about uh, straight heteronormative sex, 97% of men versus 65% of straight women. That is a big gap. So people noticed that and they were curious. Uh, To me, I think this is more a conversation about heterosexual sex and not understanding the arousal of vulvas and vaginas. It's both about the person and or their partner. In, the, in this case. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I think it's worth noting how anorgasmia is different from the orgasm gap. Like how is someone able to tell or figure out if it's just this one time is just a one-off, it's not working, or if there's something else happening? Yeah, um, well, because also sometimes things get in the way. You know, we might be up in our head thinking, 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 and we've, we've chatted before on the show saying, you know, in order to have an orgasm for one split second, you need to lose control. So if you're up in your head going, what about this? What about that? Thinking about the grocery shopping, thinking about this, thinking about your exams tomorrow, thinking about that thing that your boyfriend said to you last week, thinking about what your mum said, it's going to be really difficult to tip over and have an orgasm. So that that could be happening most definitely. But differing from uh, the orgasm gap, an orgasm is really a term for people having regular difficulty reaching orgasm after ample sexual stimulation, right? So it's something that, that is going to occur regularly and it's experienced as difficulty and it might cause distress for the person who's unable to have an orgasm.
Now we've covered what anorgasmia is and the types of situations that it can manifest itself in, but what actually causes someone to experience it? Right. Uh, Not knowing how their body works or arouses, right? Uh, I've seen research that shows that 85% of women in that research uh, do not know when their body's fully aroused. Really? Right. So that's really interesting. They they did, uh, they took people with penises and people with vulvas. And for the people with penises, they put a band of paper around the outside of their penis to measure tumescence. Um, And for people with vulvas, they put a plasmograph, it's called. It's like a light-emitting tampon inside, and that measures engorgement and arousal for the vulva owners. And then they gave them a button to press, and they said, we're going to show you a bunch of pictures. Press a button when you feel aroused. Okay. So then they showed pictures of uh, rivers and pictures of valleys and pictures of mountains. Uh, I think we've talked about this research before on the show. I just love it. Yeah. And then pictures of men and pictures of women, women and women, men and men, men and women, right? So God bless the penis lovers. They press the button for absolutely. Absolutely everything. Here's a river, I'm aroused. Here's a valley, I'm aroused. Here's the mountain, I'm aroused. And it's true, their body measured up with that, right? So God bless them, so arousable. But for the people with vulvas, 85% of them did not press the button when they were highly aroused. When their body was like, yeah, baby, I'm getting all revved up looking at these images, they did not press the button. So for me, that really shows that people don't know their bodies and how their bodies work or arouse. Um, and if you don't know how your body works for arouse, how the heck are you going to be able to have orgasms unless you accidentally stumble across that? That's so fascinating. Isn't it? Because everybody orgasms differently. Like some people are wired for clitoral orgasms, some people for uh, vaginal, some people for a combination, some people perineal, some anal. Some people can orgasm from rubbing above their left eyebrow. You know, like there's all sorts of things. So if you don't know that, how are you going to work that out? I think there's a huge myth in society that our lover should know what we want. So if we outsource our pleasure to our lovers, for those with vulvas, there's a high chance in heterosexual sex that their lover's not going to understand how their genitals arouse at all because all we've been taught about is get to the PNV sex. And if you're in a hurry to do that, it's going to be much harder for a person with a vulva to have an orgasm. So there's that kind of equation. There's also people having shame around sex and their genitals. Very, very common with vulva owners. You know, they've been told that um, their bodies aren't nice uh, or attractive and there's a lot of shame perpetrated onto them. Uh, Sexual assault, anxiety, you know, worrying, oh, am I good at this? What's it going to be like? Is it going to hurt? Am I going to be okay? All that sort of stuff. And then that inability to let go or lose control that we've been talking about. So if the talk in your head is just say your lover's doing something delicious to you, you know, and one of the more common ways is to help somebody with a vulva have an orgasm is to give them oral sex. So just say that your partner's, they've got their head down there, they're giving you a lovely time and your head's like, oh my God, I'm taking too long. What's wrong with me? Oh, my genitals, they don't look good. I don't smell good. I don't taste good. This is dirty. You know, oh, you know, we're taught that our genitals get us into trouble. You know, you can get pregnant and you can be seeing the wrong person. Or, you know, you become ungodlike, whatever. We get these messages like, and people with penises don't get those messages when they're growing up. They get told that this is a great thing and it feels good when you touch it and go forth and have fun with it. So that kind of stuff can really impact someone's ability to have an orgasm. And I do a lot of work with people around undoing some of these messages that they've um, accidentally breathed in from society. Mm. This is reminding me a lot about the special we did on vaginismus 
this a few months ago now. How does anorgasmia differ to vaginismus? Ah, oh, hugely differ. Vaginismus is the involuntary clamping or spasming of pelvic floor muscles and surrounding muscles. So that's going to make intercourse or penetration difficult, painful, or impossible. It's got nothing to do with orgasm, although some of those limiting thoughts might be behind the involuntary spasming. So there might be similar origins when it comes to sexual background or thoughts or beliefs or shame or enjoying sex, but it's a very different thing. Uh, because for someone with anorgasmia, they might be able to have intercourse and enjoy it, they just may not be able to tip over and, and have an orgasm. Right. Do you think then it's like a mental or a physical thing or are there any like cultural factors that come into play here? Uh, I think it's both, actually. Your, your head's important because you need to be able to stay present uh, and you need to be able to lose control and you know that kind of sits with your head it's very hard to lose control if you're anxious because your brain's going to be in the future worrying about something Um, and your head will also be controlling things like feeling shame for example not liking somebody's face in your genitals or or feeling funny about your body or anxious about pleasing your lover etc so all these things are going to make it a little bit difficult understanding your body and what gives you pleasure and what feels good you need to learn that particularly if you're interested in your orgasm or your partners as well understanding that all bodies are different and different things feel good for different people is really really important the cultural factors i think they're about shame and the ideas that we get about our bodies focus on pleasure and what is possible not performance and not outcome and absolutely all bodies are capable of having pleasure it doesn't matter what size you are what skin color you have what level of ability you have what kind of genitals you have your body is absolutely capable of giving you pleasure. Do remember that. I mean, I think it's safe to say it's all about the journey, not about the destination. Yeah, absolutely. And what a journey that can be. If you've just joined us here on Let's Talk About Sex, we are discussing anorgasmia, an inability to orgasm. Tanya, Is this something that just can happen to someone with a vagina or is it possible for all bodies to be affected by this? Uh, That's a really good question. I think anorgasmia is commonly referred to for folk with vulvas and vaginas, but for people with penises, it's an issue as well, but it's um, more closely related to and referred to as delayed ejaculation. And we discussed this when we were talking about all the ejaculatory disorders that can happen with folks with penises. So it does exist. It's less common, but it's certainly there. And, you know, again, it's um, rooted in anxiety and pressure and things like that but also you might be having some plumbing issues right so there are reasons for it it's much more common in folks with vulva particularly after menopause and there's a lot of misunderstanding as we've been saying around arousal and changes in bodies something to consider as well is that medication can make it difficult to orgasm so there's a study that they did this study on women or people with vulvas 74 percent of folk with vulvas taking ssri antidepressants will experience a loss of desire or stimulation, so an ability to get to orgasm. I'm not sure in the research for penis owners, but I think it's still quite high. There's a lot of folk out in the world taking SSRI antidepressants. And, you know, you sort of read, you may get sexual side effects, but people don't actually realise what that is. So it might be that your libido has come down, uh, or maybe you've still got the high libido, but you can't get yourself across the line anymore and you haven't sort of done the math that it might be your meds. So think about that as well. Ask your doctor. I know that there's an SSRI, I think, 
think it's Zyban here, which is an anti-smoking um, product. That one can actually increase desire in folks with vulvas. It's worth talking to your doctor. If you have an SSRI that's um, you know, really giving you a hit in the libido or the um, orgasm department, you don't have to remain committed to that. You can talk to your doctor because there are lots of different chemical compounds that affect folks differently. So open up conversations about that if it's bothering you. For some folks, it doesn't bother them. They'd rather be feeling not depressed and they're happy to take a hit in their sex lives. Other people are like, you know what, let's try some things and see what else is possible. That's so interesting. How does it present then differently amongst people with vaginas versus people with penises? I think it's kind of the same, really. It's like inability to sort of tip over and have that orgasm. So again, uh, with folks with penises, it could be around their plumbing because there are, you know, and, and ejaculation is pretty much married to orgasm, but it is not necessarily, it's not necessary to orgasm to ejaculate and the other way around. It's just that about 95% of the time they happen together. It could be that. And for folks with vaginas, we've been running through all of the things that it presents as. So it's really that inability to sort of tip over and let go. What are the ways you think that someone can manage this then in their sex life? Should they be getting their partners to try different things? Should they be taking up other sorts of methods like Kegels or other, uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, interventions or exercises. Yes. Yeah. I think we need to make sex about pleasure and what's possible. And you, you hear me say this all the time, make it about enjoyment rather than performance and outcome. And we need to teach people about their bodies and we need to take time to learn our own bodies and what gives us pleasure. There's so much around shame that kind of weaves its way in and out of this that makes it so tricky for people. It's really great for me to come on the radio and say, hey, make it all about pleasure. Hey, why don't you do some exploring? But then shame is going to get in the way for a lot of people like, oh, I don't want to touch there. It's dirty or it's icky or, you know, my mum told me that sex is disgusting and why should I be wanting to, to do that with my partner or why should I let them close to my genitals? All sorts of things. So working on shame, because one thing to remember, and I say this over and over, is we are all sexual beings. Even folks who are asexual can have sexual urges sometimes. They just may not be interested in sex. Uh, and that's part of a sexuality. But most of us sexual beings, Sex is a normal, natural thing that happens all over the world, all of the time. More sex is had for pleasure than is for making babies. So thinking about it as something as natural as eating, showering, taking a shit, whatever, it's the same bodily function. And then working on being present and in your body, right? Because it's much more fun than being up in your head. When you're up in your head, we're usually worrying about something, right? And then we're not present and then we're not having the best time. So if we have anxiety or shame, see if you can do some work to address address that. Sometimes it's reading some books or looking at the, you know, body positive feeds on Instagram, whatever it may be, go to see a sex therapist or a counselor, but also focus on connection and build trust with your partner. Cause those things are going to make it a little bit easier for you to tip over, feel relaxed and allow pleasure and stimulation. It's a big no to Kegels for, uh, they're not going to just doing Kegels will not suddenly bring on orgasms because it's a lot to do with the head. However, using jade eggs or Benoit balls for people with vagina can improve pelvic tone, which in turn can improve the intensity of your orgasms, right? I can speak from experience. I've test drove some of these babies and it does. It will give you a much more intense sensation. So it's just like anything, you know, you have things toned up down there or anywhere in your body and you're much more aware of it. And yeah, intensity of sensation could be yours. If you've just joined us, we're here on Let's Talk About Sex 
discussing anorgasmia. There are methods that you can turn to to seek help and to find reprieve and respite if you are suffering from anorgasmia. And if you've missed today's chat, no fear. You can listen back to today's show wherever you get your podcasts from and you can find some extra information at fbiradio.com slash programs. Just click on Mornings with Maya Billick and everything will be there for you on the Let's Talk About Sex realm from the 11, 10, 11, 15 mark. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me again today. Another insightful uh, discussion about orgasmic. Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. These conversations are so important and it's really great to be able to get some message like this out into out into radio land so people can digest this sort of stuff and feel okay about themselves and their bodies. Absolutely. Now, Tanya will be back in a fortnight. Coming up on mornings, we've got some more music and I'm going to let that do the talking right now.